Well, good morning. I hope that uh, all of you are doing well today. It's still not snowing. I did have a, just a couple of things just to mention, and uh, as you probably saw if you're on our Facebook page, Car- Carmen Ariema went on to be with Jesus Thursday. Uh, he'd had, he was battling health issues for about the last five years, and uh, no longer, no longer. Now he's, <laughs> he's in that new body waiting for the Lord to do whatever comes next. And, uh, but keep his wife, Julie, and their daughter, Rachel, in your prayers, if you would. Uh, as you can only imagine, losing your husband, your dad, is a tough thing. Um, if you didn't see it, the funeral is Thursday here at the Hope uh, Visitation at 1 o'clock, and then the memorial service is at 2. So if you can make it, love to see you. So... As I've been putting all of this together and trying to come up with uh, whatever it is the Lord wants next, this one sort of surprised me a little bit, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blame myself, but I think it's from the Lord. So if it isn't, you'll know it, but if it is, then uh, you'll be able to rejoice with me that I shared it. So in my last two messages, if you remember, I, I jumped off of that little three-letter word, which was own. Thank you. And we own the church, right? This is ours. This is what God has blessed us with. And it's our responsibility to make sure and take care of it, whatever that looks like. And uh, two, we all own our... Anybody? New life in Christ. Remember that? That was just last week. Come on. It wasn't that far ago. You guys are almost as bad as me when it comes to remembering things. Almost. This week, I wanted to look at another three-letter word, and, and it's like the Holy Spirit just keeps dropping these in my lap. So, uh, as I've said, I, I think this is from the Lord, and uh, hopefully you'll agree. So, by changing the last letter in the word to an E, it changes it to O. I want to examine how some think or feel that they are owed something in this life and how, those, how this all lines up with Scripture. All right? So I've titled this message, You Owe Me, a series about entitlement. Are you with me? Now I want to pray. And I'm going to add a couple other little prayers in there because we've got some people that are going through stuff right now. Father, we thank you again for the preaching of the word here at the Hope. Lord, we ask right now that you would just give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you're trying to do with this church, with this family of believers. Lord, whether they're here in person or online, I pray that you would just prepare our hearts to receive from you today and help us, Lord, to apply this message to our lives, to our families' lives, and so on. Lord, we also want to lift up our family that is sick in body. Lord, we pray for a miracle for those who are struggling right now, whether it be uh, with the uh, COVID virus or something else, Lord. We just ask right now that you would just infuse their bodies with health. Lord, you are the great physician, and we pray for a healing, Lord, 
a covering over their families. We, we lift Sue up to You, Lord, who's having surgery this week. We pray for a miracle, for a, a victory, Lord, for her. Uh, and we just commit her into Your hands as the doctors and surgeons work on her. And Lord, again, we just thank You for what You're going to do here today. Keep us all uh, tuned in. And Lord, when it's all said and done, may You be well pleased and may You be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to begin today by sharing a little story from when I was a, a young man, a early teens, 12 years oldish. And what I'm sharing today, it's not to say that the way I was raised was better than the way that many of you were raised. Rather, it was different, okay? So are we all in agreement? Because some of you were raised different. From earlier, early on in my life, I was given chores to do. And in my family, we had five kids. I had an older sister, an older brother, and then two younger brothers. So the five of us were expected to do chores around our house. And the other thing is, is that we didn't get an allowance for doing that. We were expected to be a part of the family and to help with the chores without getting paid to do it. How many can remember those days? Yeah, some of you, all right, not all, not all, that's all right. So if we needed some money to do something extra special, we would be really nice that week. And we would go to our parents and we would say, Mom, can I go do so-and-so this week? It costs $10. And like back then, that was a lot of money. I mean, it still is probably, but back then it was really a lot of money. And with five children, you know that you didn't always get a yes. But often, you did get a yes and that is because our parents loved us and they wanted to give us whatever they could afford. So that said, I just want to point out there was never the idea in our house that we were owed something. When my parents gave money, it was out of the goodness of their hearts, not because we had earned it. How has that changed? Have it your way. I'm hearing this from the, the balcony over here. The upper, the upper, the amen section. My parents taught us the value of working. And if we kids wanted something, we had to get a job and earn that something with the money that we earned. That taught us a few things. One, it provided a strong work ethic. Two, it taught us responsibility, both with our time and our money. Because you have to have both, right? If you run out of time, you can't earn the money or vice versa. And then third, it taught us to care for our own stuff. Because if we bought it, we realized how much it cost. And that usually meant that we took better care of it. At the age of 12, I applied at the Lansing State Journal. How many remember that paper? One guy, you're old enough to remember that. What's a newspaper? <laughs> some, of the, some of the young people are asking. It meant that I had to get up at 6 a.m. on the weekends, Saturday and Sunday, to get those papers out to my 100 rural customers. We were in a suburb, but they were big country lots, so it was quite spread out. 
And then after school, Monday through Friday, I had, as soon as I got off the bus, I had to run in, get changed, grab my bags, and hit the, hit the trail to deliver my 100-plus newspapers. Every single day, rain or shine, hot or cold, you get the idea. Collecting from the people was what I did on Thursday and Friday. I would go out and I would collect what they owed me, what I had already given them in delivering their paper. And you know what? That was the worst part of the job. You would not believe how many people would try to stiff a 12-year-old. But I learned persistence. And I would often, I would sneak off and then I'd come back and look in their window, and I'd see them sitting there, and I'd go, ha! Pay up! And it worked. I had to pay the Lansing State Journal for every paper they delivered to me, and that means I had to go out and collect what people owed me. I learned the value of money. Because of that paper out, I was able to buy a, and you'll love this, a Schwinn World Traveler 10-speed bicycle. Back then in the 70s, this thing was, would it have been 70s? It would have been late 60s. This thing was a, it was a machine. I actually had that bike over 40 miles an hour one day. It was level, all right? But the cars were doing their thing, and I was passing them on the right. It was awesome. I felt so good. Like I had wings. I had money for candy and toys and pretty much whatever a young teenage boy wanted. I worked hard because I enjoyed having that extra money to spend. As I said, my parents taught us that if you wanted something, you needed to earn it with your own two hands. That work ethic paid off many times throughout my life. And I believe that it's the reason that, one of the reasons that I'm here today. You know, running a church is not an easy thing. It takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of resourcing. And you really need to know what you're doing. And, and I'm learning still, right? I'm not there yet, and those on the board know what I'm talking about. I thank God for everyone that's helping us as we grow this church. But after three and a half years of working that paper out, I applied at Ponderosa. June's sitting down here, <laughs> making her squirm a little bit. Where's he going with this? So I applied as a dishwasher. And uh, I realized after riding my 10-speed to work for a short time that it was dangerous because I had to go down M43. If you know Lansing, that's West Saginaw. And traffic was pretty heavy back then because of the mall and Myers and all that other stuff. And so I decided I need a car. What did I learn about that? First, cars are expensive. Right? Now up to this point, anywhere I had to go, my parents had to take me. Did I realize what they were doing for me at that point? No. 
Did I realize that after I went through this process? Absolutely. I had to buy a car. They're expensive. I had to pay for insurance. What is that? What? I got to pay somebody to protect the car? It didn't make sense to me, right? But I paid it anyway because I knew you had to have it in your car, otherwise you'd get a ticket. You had to buy gasoline for it to run. Who knew? Right? I mean, I'm a kid. I just thought you got in it and you went. And you came home and you went. And you came home and you went. Nobody ever told me about that part in the middle where you got to stop and get gas. So I learned responsibility. How many of you young people know what I'm saying? You've been there. You've, you've done that. Right? Yes. Amen. Amen. Took you a little while, but you figured it out. It was expensive to keep that car running so that I could take a girl out on a date once in a while. That didn't happen very often, but that's why I had the car. That and get to work. Thankfully, I had a big brother who felt sorry for me. He sold me his 1967 Ford Fairlane. Where's Jack? He's over there nodding. Yep, good car. Yep, strong. Had the, uh, the little motor in it. The, yeah, the 289. Thank you. <laughs> well, he sold it to me cheap. Don't tell him that I just said that, Mom, because then he's going to think I owe him. <laughs> but thanks, big brother. <laughs> anyway, I, I drove that car for about a year until the wiring harness burned up in it. And then... There wasn't much to do with it after that. I wasn't smart enough to put a new wiring harness in, so it became salvageable. Where am I going with all this? We were raised different than kids today, generally speaking. And as I said when I began, this is not to say that how we were raised was better. It was just different. But one thing, and this is my point, and this is what I want you to get, one thing that we grew up knowing was that we were not owed anything. Too many of our kids today think that they are, that the world revolves around them, and it's dangerous. In this life, and I want you to say this with me, I am not owed anything. Would you say that with me? I am not owed anything. Nobody owes you a thing. God doesn't owe you anything. The government doesn't owe you anything, although lately they seem to think they do. Nobody owes us anything. Your parents don't owe you anything. Well, you brought me into this world. Yeah, and don't make us regret it. We all have to find our place, and we all have to work at finding our work ethic so that we will be productive growing up as a citizen in this great country. And I believe that if we'll do this, that we'll see a change in our children, in our society, in our culture. It's been my observation, for whatever reason, that most kids, they don't make the connection between what they're given and what it costs. 
to provide that luxury, whatever it is, whether it's a gift or food every week or, or whatever. You get the idea. And I believe the problem is there's a disconnect between what we give our children and what they understand about that process. And I think this is where, if there has been a failure, this is where it's been. How many are a parent in this room? How many are a grandparent? How many are parents or grandparents? All right. They usually the two go together, but just making sure. If we don't teach our kids that every gift, the groceries that we bring home and that we feed every week, the gasoline to haul them around to all their different events, if, if we don't connect the dots here and teach them the idea that all this stuff costs us something, for that gallon of gasoline or that 10 gallons, whatever it is, I had to go to work and I had to spend numerous hours there to earn the money. For some, that's a little less time. For others, it's a little more. But the point is, our kids need to see this. They need to understand that stuff isn't just given. It just doesn't come out of the magic fairyland. There's a price to pay for it. So that when they become adults, they'll not know the value of working hard if we don't share with them the idea that I'm trying to share with you today. And what parent doesn't want to give kids nice things, right? We all do. We all love to do that. Uh, we had our two little grandkids with us uh, Thursday and Friday. And they're seven years old, and, and uh, we had peanut butter Captain Crunch. You would have thought it was the greatest gift because we were told their dad doesn't share his with them. <laughs> hey, I'm not mentioning names, Cameron. That's just what they said. I'm sure he shares with them once in a while. But my point is, that little item, that little box of cereal was a blessing to them, but they need to understand that that little box of cereal didn't just show up in the pantry. Somebody had to go buy it. Somebody had to pay for it. And that's my, what I'm trying to get across here. We need to connect the dots for them. Otherwise, we're doing more harm than good with our children. So let me ask you this. Is what I just described, is that God's way? I don't mean the teaching them. I'm saying the not teaching them. Just giving them, giving them, giving them. How do your kids look at you? you know? Do they look at you as a sugar daddy? You don't know. You see, we, can, we, we thrive on giving our kids stuff, don't we? You're a young parent, Greg. I'm going to pick on you just for a minute. You know, isn't it awesome when you can give Paisley just a really cool little thing and you watch her light up? Isn't that awesome? It, it makes you feel good, doesn't it? As I understand it, there's this thing called serotonin that's released in your body when you give stuff like that. And to see our kids get all excited about it. And there's nothing wrong with that. Don't, don't miss my point here. What's wrong with it is that they think that that just came out of nowhere. And we've got to start doing a better job of educating our kids, having this conversation with them about where things come from and about the responsibility that goes along with that. 
Why are we doing this? Why do we want them to know? So that when they become an adult, they don't get there and go, why didn't they tell me this? You mean, you mean if I come into work and I'm all cute, that they're not going to pay me for that? I have to do things? You get what I'm saying? I have a story at the end of this that'll tie that together, but I'll, I'm not going to share that yet. We need to have this conversation with our children and our grandchildren from the time they're very young. Otherwise, they'll feel like, oops, they'll feel like you owe me. They'll feel like you owe me. The you being the government, the school system, their boss, the church, or their parents, or their grandparents. I believe that the Bible confirms what I'm teaching, that we do our kids a disservice if we don't show them the other side of this. Do you know that some who've studied this out, they're much wiser than me, but they claim that 20% of the New Testament refers to money and the managing of it. That's a, that's a big chunk of the Bible. People say, well, why do you always talk about money? Because 20% of the Bible talks about it. Well, the New Testament. That's a lot, right? So if our parents do not teach their children what it means to work hard, that nothing is truly free, and everything has a price tag, then I believe they're setting them up for failure. And not just our kids, but society as a whole. And if you do any kind of examination of where we're at today, we're seeing it all around us. That idea of entitlement, that idea of you owe me. You owe me. I recently spoke to a business owner who hired a young lady to work for him. And he said when she first came in, he was kind of surprised because she showed up late. Didn't apologize. And he, he's just keeping an eye on her, right? But she looked cute, you know, like I was saying earlier. Took a longer break than she was supposed to for lunch. That was the first day. Second day, about the same. Third day, she didn't show up at all. Fourth day, she came in. <laughs> well, you know what the boss did. He had to terminate her. She was surprised. This is a true story. She was surprised. What? You're going to let me go? But I just started. <laughs> yeah. You need to learn some things. I share that story just to say that girl was let down by somebody. Because nobody took the time to show her about a strong work ethic. Are you with me? She felt everyone owes me. And unless your family happens to be exceptionally wealthy, where your child will never have to work a day in his or her life, anybody here? Raise your hand. No, no hands going up. Imagine that. We all have to work, don't we? Except for you who are retired, but you had to work to get there, whoever that was. Half the church. Still working. Still working. So am I. We need to teach our kids the value of hard work, or at the very least, what it means to have a good 
work ethic. Can I get an amen? amen? What does the Bible say about this? You think there's anything in Scripture? And You know, one of my favorite places to go is Proverbs. And most are attributed to none other than King Solomon, right? Who was? The wisest man, because he asked for that from God. Lord, or the Lord asked him, what do you want from me? And he said, I want to be wise. I want to understand things. And these are some of the, the, the little uh, trinkets of language that he put together. And I love this first one. It's one of my favorites because I used to be a bug collector when I was a kid. All right? And I did study the ant. So here we go. Proverbs 6, 6 through 8 says... Take a lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways and become wise. Do you think you could share this with a child? Yes. Can they see ants? Yes. And in Michigan, when will they see the ants working? In the summer. That two or three months. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. So they're looking ahead, aren't they? Is this something you can share with your grandchild? Should you? Next part of the verse. But you lazy bones, how long will you sleep? Now, when I was a teenager, there were days I'd sleep until 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. And I still remember my mom yelling at me, Will you get out of bed, you lazy bones? <laughs> if you're watching, Mom, I don't know if you remember that, but it happened. When will you wake up, he said. A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. You get the picture? What's he describing here? Somebody that's sitting in their easy chair, couch potato, and, and putting it in modern terms, either watching uh, television or maybe one of those little devices that you like to play the video games, right? That's what you do all day long, right? But if you only do this, verse 11, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. I think this would translate to a young person. And maybe it translates to you today. Proverbs 12, another one. Verse 24, diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. We don't like that word. Another one. Work brings profit. Would you say this with me? Work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. What is that saying to you? Quit talking and get busy. Yeah, find something that you can do that will earn an income. And You know, I remember, again, I had a strong influence from my mom and dad. Five kids... And they both worked, but they decided one day they wanted to buy a cottage up north. And I'm thinking, wow, how do they do it? Well, they got another job. My mom started a ceramic business. 
So two nights a week, we had all these people pour into my basement to make ceramic stuff. And she made an income off that, and it helped pay for that cottage that they both wanted. My point is, they taught us, if you want something, you have to work for it. You have to go out and get it. Just like this is saying, work brings profit, but mere talk leads to poverty. Wealth is a crown for the wise. So when you earn that money, it's a, it's a crown. It's saying, you know, you've accomplished something. And there's nothing wrong with that. I know we live in a, some claim it's a capitalistic society. Whatever. I think it works pretty good. As long as we're not only giving it to ourselves. As long as we're sharing it, being generous with it. As in the Old Testament, they would leave little parts of their field on the edges. They were told, God told them, don't, don't collect all of what's in your, your fields. Leave some for those who need it, who can't afford it to, uh, to feed themselves this week. And they would do that. That was their way of giving. You know, and we, we do the same thing here, more or less, with the tithe. As we give each week, we try to help others. And our church supports things like the food pantry and so on. Salvation Army, which is another great one that helps those in need. In a modern sense, that's us leaving it a little bit on the edge. The efforts of fools, though, that yields what? One more. From the New Testament. 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 and 12. Make it your goal to live a quiet life Minding your own business and working with your hands, just as we instructed you before. Then people who are not Christian will respect the way you live, and you will not need to depend on others. That's pretty clear, I think. I don't know if you agree. As I begin to wrap this up, God commends those who work hard and are not a burden to others. If we neglect to teach our kids the value of hard work, they're going to grow up entitled and they're going to think, everyone owes me. Ask the Lord, Lord, how, how does this message apply to me? Would you stand? Maybe you're a parent, maybe you're a grandparent. Maybe you don't have kids yet, but someday you're hoping to. Think about how you can show your children the value of money so that they don't feel entitled. Share the scriptures that speak about this. There are many more than what I shared. I just gave you a sampling. If you're an adult, and you raise your kids this way. Excuse me. If you're an adult and you were raised this way, I apologize for that. I'm positive that your parents did not intend to mislead you. They thought they were doing the right thing. But I would ask, 
that you go to the Lord with a sincere heart and have him show you what it means to have a good work ethic if you don't already have that. Study the scriptures that talk about hard work and money and see if what I'm saying here today is not the truth. I believe it will help bring a balance into your life. Finally, and this can be applied to all Christians across the board, all of us, Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Would you say this with me? Work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Everything we do should be to God's glory. And we need to emphasize this in our Christian homes because the value of this has been lost. And we're starting to reap the harvest that we have planted. And you may not agree with everything that I've said here today, but I just want you to understand that I believe that God gave us his word for a reason. And if we apply it and our kids understand it, we're going to be better for it. And I'll stand on that all day long. I want to pray with you, but first, I just want to ask, if you're here today and and you feel like part of this message or most of it has applied to your life, would you just lift your hand up so I can see it? Yep. So I'm not alone. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Maybe you don't feel like it applies to you at all. And I'm sorry for that if I didn't deliver it the way that I should have. But I believe that this is an important issue in our culture today. Would you bow your heads? Lord, our parents and grandparents, they need you, Lord, and and help us to teach our children what the Bible says about a strong work ethic. Lord, what what your scriptures say about look at the ant, Lord, about Uh, not being lazy, about preparing for the future and and not just letting everybody else give us the handout. Help us to show our kids that everything has a price. There's a cost to everything we do. Somebody's paying it. And Lord, uh, we don't want our kids to be set up for failure. We want them to be strong. We want them to be victorious when they finally get to that place where they are young adults in this society that we have provided, that you have provided. Lord, help our adults who have not been taught this principle to understand your heart. Heavenly Father, bless them as they do. And and again, I pray that they would see the value, they would see the fruit in their labor, that as they give, so will it be given to them. And Lord, that's something that only you can reveal to us. Finally, help us all to be a good example in the workplace, in our homes, so that others, Lord, will want to follow our example. That, Lord, when people look at us, they would say, you know what? I want to hire more of those Christians because they're good workers. They show up on time. They uh, understand the value in their work, what it means to, to give back, to give your best, 
to work as unto the Lord. Lord, let our example be that good that others, Lord, would want to hire more of us as we serve you. And Lord, finally, I just pray a special blessing over this congregation that you would help each one of us, Lord, to recognize how blessed we really are. We have so much. And this morning, I, I struggled with what shirt to wear. I ended up putting, this is the third shirt I put on this morning because the other two didn't really fit or match. And I had to pause and I thought, how many nations do people live where they have a choice of one, maybe two outfits? This morning I had three and that's just a small sampling of my fashion ensemble. We are blessed. Thank you, Lord. But I pray that that blessing would never go to our heads or our hearts. That we would never feel entitled. Oh, they owe us. Oh, we're owed this. God owes me. No, no, and double no. He doesn't owe you a thing. He's given you everything. He's given you the earth, the soil, everything that's on it. He's given you life. It's up to you what you're going to do with it. It's up to you to use those two hands. Everybody, hold your hands up. It's up to you to hold those two hands up and say, Lord, help me to know what to do with these. To bless you, to bless others. Because that's what you would have us do. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a prayer need, I would invite our prayer people up here, if you would. Since uh, COVID, we've struggled with this part of the service, and I just want you to know that we're working on it. We don't know yet exactly how it's going to look, but I just want you to know if you have a prayer request, a prayer need, uh, our prayer people are up here and uh, they'd love to pray with you. If there's something going on in your life, you need special attention for it. Everything that's set up here is confidential um, as long as you say it low enough so not everybody else hears it. And uh, you get the idea. But we want you to know we care. And we love you, and we know people go through things. So take advantage of this if you have a request. Otherwise, you're dismissed. God bless you.